The Final Furlong podcast is proudly sponsored by Coral. Look out for exclusive Final Furlong smart boosts on attheraces.com. The smart money's on Coral. BeGambleAware.org, 18+. The Final Furlong podcast is brought to you in association with attheraces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Welcome along to the Final Furlong podcast where the champagne is popping. There's celebrations everywhere. Not because we had a winner, but because racing is back and there's the potential to have winners. Thankfully, uh, we are back racing, much to the relief of At The Races pundit, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello! That is as enthusiastic a hello as I've heard on this show for quite some time. We will see what our good friend from the Irish field can do, Mr. Rory DeLarge. Hello! <laughs> yeah. Full of enthusiasm. It doesn't matter what I do, does it? Not really, not really, <laughs> not really. We're, we're, we're really only interested in how many hot brandies has Rory had to consume today. I've been off the brandy for some considerable time. I think you'll find... Excellent. So, like the equine flu, clearing up, Rory's health clearing up as well. Fantastic. Well, I wouldn't say my health's clearing up, but the cough has. (laughs) Uh, I'll I'll die of something else shortly, but the cough's fine. Before we get your take on the equine flu, Kevin, your views have been well documented on this show in particular with Lynn Hillary, who I thought was probably the MVP of, of this. Hillier. Hillier, even. Uh, there's a shocker, me mispronouncing someone's name. That never happens. Um, <laughs> but you've also had your views on Sky Sports Racing on ITV, and your article is available on attheraces.com and the At The Races app to read for free. Do you think that the BHA were given the necessary push by the IHRB yesterday, or was it just a sense of... After announcement, after announcement, after announcement, we finally got common sense. Ah, oh, look, I, I suspect they were probably going to go that way, and away. Um, despite the IHRB, what they did, and the vibes during the day were that they were leaning that way. And look, thankfully, they got it over the line. Um, it wasn't an easy situation for them. They, they like, and look, I, I can, I could see the sense in their initial reaction. I think it was the right one. They, they didn't know what they were dealing with. They took a safety first approach. Um, they took their time to get a full handle on what they were dealing with. And then they made a common sense decision, a practical decision to get back racing with some precautions um, in place. So, uh, look, I think we, we've, we've certainly come out the right end of this. I, I don't think this, uh, who knows what the future holds. I suspect this is the last we've heard of equine flu for a while. He says tempting fate wildly. But um, I think all of this has just raised awareness to the vaccination requirements that are now there in the UK and in Ireland, while they are very much a, a pain in the arse for trainers, um, I think they'll serve their purpose in, in protecting the herd uh, from, from any further outbreaks of, of this nuisance of a disease. So, Rory, your take on it, because you're based in the UK, we obviously continue racing in Ireland and although any UK runner who was going to come here was going to have to be rigorously tested, they were very welcome to do so. Um, There seems to have been, as Kevin said, a huge amount of frustration amongst trainers. And one of the Final Forum podcast listeners pointed out yesterday that the IHRB are made up of horsemen and horsewomen and make decisions that tend to be right. The BHA is essentially run by marketing people. Was this an overreaction and what has the atmosphere been like in the UK and the frustration been like with trainers? I think it's a bit harsh. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a, an outspoken critic of the BHA where I feel that has to be done. But the, the notion that, um, that it's made up of marketing men, uh, particularly on this issue, is wider. There are maybe too many, too many chiefs. There are a lot of, uh, of people to, um, to consult on this. But 
very few of them are uh, are people without some um, without expert knowledge. Um, so I, th I think it would be harsh to criticise the BHA on that. I, th I think you've got a, a difference of culture between uh, Britain and Ireland generally, um, both in the way horse racing is run and just the way politics work. Um, and, you know, the, there is a bit of a belt and braces approach here um, where, you know, you can see that the way the IHRB have handled things, particularly in terms of not naming trainers, um, where you've where you've had uh, incidents that they don't think that's necessary, and they know that uh, that other trainers are are, part, are well aware of what the situation is, uh, they don't feel the need to do that. Whereas here, uh, the BHA took the view that trainers needed to be uh, named so that um, uh, trainers in the same area would be aware of what the issues were. And I don't think that I don't think necessarily helps. Look at the um, the grief that Don McCain got from from you know ill-informed and ill-educated people in the first place so you know there, there are always lessons to be learned but i think i think kevin's had a nail on the head with this um since the start really um i'm glad we're back when we are there's clearly a bit of a rumbling going on with uh, the need for uh, horses to be uh, inoculated within a six-month period rather than a year um, and that hasn't gone on particularly well i, I think the, the main reason for that is is when it's happened, the fact that we're coming up to the uh, to Cheltenham and, and people don't want to be uh, giving their horses flu jabs so close to something like that because it, it disrupts training practices. And if it was if it was the off season, there'd be there'd be no complaints about it at all. But again, you do need to have uh, a strong lead on this. And I've got no massive complaints about how the BHA have handled it in that regard. Kenners, just quickly on that, it's it's been slightly surprising to me that. Um, there's be, there's obviously been quite an uproar from the British trainers about this requirement to have had a vaccine within six months of a run. Um, but, you know, it was on Friday that the IHRB announced um, an, a requirement for the horses to be vaccinated within eight weeks of a run. And I know they, they got kind of a, a week and a half of grace or a little bit, little over a week of grace. But um, there's been very little public rumbling from Irish trainers. I know there's been plenty of private rumbling, but it's just, I thought it was interesting the difference in the response um, I can only imagine the response from the British trainers if they'd been held to a, to an eight week uh, requirement but it look it's, it's a pain in the arse there's, there's no doubt about it um, but as far as I know and as far as I'm told today a number of the biggest trainers in the country in Ireland have already pulled the trigger on this they've already vaccinated everything um, that that needed to be done in you know with an eight week requirement that's pretty much going to be everything I suspect whereas There'll be plenty of horses in England that don't need to be that don't need a vaccine this side of Cheltenham. Um, you know, every every trainer is different, but most of the the, the, the trainers I I met a good few trainers at, at an ITBA function yesterday and asked the question, and and all, the majority of them t have tended to vaccinate around Christmas time. Um, and and anyone in England that had done that, I know Paul Nichols does that. They'll be safe as a house. Whereas um, the the Irish lads. If you've if they've any Cheltenham runners that they've that they've vaccinated around Christmas time, they won't have to vaccinate again. Um, but then they'd have to have vaccinated after Cheltenham to go to Punchestown. So, it, it, look, it's a bit of a it, it's not ideal. It's not what you'd like to do. It's not what a trainer would choose to do to vaccinate um, a national hunt horse at this time of year. But look, you just have to pull the trigger and give them their quite couple of days. Hope it doesn't hit them too hard and um, and kick on because the majority of people in Ireland certainly are going to be in the same boat. And um, the likes of Paul Nichols and those in England that vaccinate around Christmas will be delighted with themselves that, that, they, vac that they have such a vaccination programme in place because it, 
Um, it might only be a tiny, tiny edge. It might not be an edge at all, but it's certainly not a disadvantage. Yeah, somewhere Harry Durham is just grasping his hands with absolute delight and uh, thinking, oh, Politolog's a good thing now for the Ryanair. Happy days. Uh, Ollie, <laughs> Ollie Murphy on the tweet machine this just morning. Just waiting for the announcement that they're racing the other way around for, for uh, health and safety reasons. As well. <laughs> yeah, Cheltenham, Cheltenham, we're now going right-handed. What? Uh, so Ollie Murphy on the tweet machine described this new six-month rule as absolute madness. So he's clearly a listener to the Final Furlong podcast and the Barney Curley quote is stuck in his head. Uh, so you've heard what Kevin's had to say on this, Rory. There is an awful lot of negative reaction to this amongst British horsemen and women, trainers, jockeys, um, stable asses, grooms. This is very, very frustrating for them, but they just have to do it now. This is what the BHA have imposed. We all just have to get on with it. But there is a quote from John Joe Neal from the uh, Grand National Weights announcements today, which says that he wanted to run Manila Rocco at Ascot this weekend, but he doesn't think he can now because of the vaccination rules. Yeah, but as you said, you know, that's, yeah, there's no point having a rule for the sake of a rule. Um, the rule has to be there for a reason. And then you can't, you can't um, introduce that rule with good reason and then, and then look for ways to get around it. It's just, it's sword's law. It's a bad time for it to happen. Um, but, you know, it, you just have to crack on with it. Um, people complained that the BHA's announcement that racing would resume tomorrow came, you know, after 11 o'clock last night. Um, to me, that just showed that they were pushing the envelope as far as they could to make sure they could restart racing. If they had to make an announcement by 6 p.m., racing wouldn't have started again on Wednesday. And we'd much rather racing came back than it didn't. Um, I think people have been a bit daft, you know, complaining about a couple of hours lost sleep, uh, which probably isn't true anyway, um, with the BHA waiting so long for that decision. But they're not doing it because they've all been out, for the, out of the pump for a few hours. Um, they've been waiting for as long as possible to get as much data and as many results as they can and to convene that meeting of all the various committees. Maybe we have too many committees. Mm. You know, that's that's the, 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 the issue you could look at underneath there. But it shows a willingness by the BHA to do this properly. I, I think that, you know, for all that this has been a dark time for racing and you have to think about the people who are trying to make a living in racing at the lower end of the scale where prize money is already shockingly low and it's very very difficult when racing stops they stop earning and that's very very dangerous um so obviously there was a lot of hope that this would return quickly but if there's a bright side racing twitter was absolute gold last night every <laughs> everybody was tweeting everybody was talking about it and resulted in some absolutely priceless priceless tweets you all know who you are you don't need to be mentioned um, i do yeah <laughs> uh, in terms of how horses get affected with the flu jab so kevin you're talk you specifically mentioned paul nichols and we know that paul's horses can sometimes go on a downward trend in january and then peak back up for february and march so what kind of an effect does it have on a horse once they're given the, the vaccination or is it simply a case of you have no idea how one individual horse will take it next to another that's it. It's case by case. and I wouldn't necessarily associate the, the downturn, the, the, the apparent downturn in Paul's form in January. I wouldn't link it in strictly with the flu vac. I'd, I'd say that's just the way he trains. You know, we, he often talks about, you know, giving horses little breaks after Christmas with a view to peaking them again for spring. So there's probably an element of that. And look, it, it can hit some horses harder than others. But I, I think it'd be fair to say as a rule of thumb, it's not that big of a deal. 
um, you, you you give them a couple of easy days and you're off and running again. Um, I think as as was the case in the immediate aftermath of this this um, whole situation emerging, there has been um, a bit of kind of sensational overreaction there on the old social media and what have you. I think in practice, this isn't something that that um, betting people should should worry too much about in terms of it influencing their anti-post betting decisions. Uh, I think this sort of thing goes on with horses all the time and you don't hear about it and you're probably better off not hearing about it because it's probably not a factor in the vast majority of cases. So, and, there are, uh, and there are lots of other issues um, this time of the year between now and the Cheltenham Festival where, where fancied horses will have missed two, three, four days of work for other reasons, stone bruises, just a, uh, an unrelated running nose, little bits and pieces um, that, that cause that to happen. And if you didn't, if you knew about it, it would probably throw your betting into disarray. Mm. And if you saw the number of horses who won races at the Cheltenham Festival, having had minor setbacks in the in the days and weeks before the meeting, you'd be gobsmacked. I've known a, a, a grade one winner at the Cheltenham Festival who everyone seemed to know burst a blood vessel working on the track the day before, but still turned up and, uh, and won by half the track. Whoa. Yeah, sure. We, we had a we had a, we had a grand national winner a few years ago. That when he when he they put him on the the box in Ireland to head over to entry, he was as lame as a duck, and they sent him over in the hope that he'd be half okay when he got there. He was half okay. He was better. He was okay the morning of the race. They ran him and he won. You know, like, and I've said this before, and I don't mean to sound like oh, you shouldn't tell people anyone because of course I'm. You know, anyone that, that has listened to me over the years will know that I'm very much in favour of, you know, declaration of wind ops and and all all that type of stuff. Which you're I think you're is, very is, much in favour of Hong Kong style rules that we'd get as yeah, much info you know, as possible. Would, yeah, the, but enough relevant information. Mm. You know, and I think we, we shouldn't fall into the trap of thinking that we should know everything that goes on with horses because, like Rory says, and you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to work very closely with a number of trainers. If you knew everything that went on with every horse, you would never have a bet. You really wouldn't. You would never have a bet. There's so many small things that go on with horses that that are, are negatives, um, but, but they overcome. You know, geez, if you, I think um, one one high profile Irish trainer he worked with another high profile a high profile trainer, very high profile trainer in England when he was younger, and uh, I always find it quite a funny story. He said that the the best piece of advice that trainer ever gave him was to come up, be sure to pay close attention at evening stables because this particular trainer would have had a habit of ha- having everything trotted up um, every evening. And he just says, just, just look and see how many sound horses there are there. You know, most of them, they're not right. They're, they're not 100%. Just like any, if you, if you walked into any train the room and any Premier League football team would say, for example, There'll be plenty of lads that, that look a bit stiff and sore and pottery and they're not 100% right. But when you send them into the competitive environment, they can still show the best of their ability. So it's just, it's kind of it's slightly off point. But my, the, the, the point of bringing up that example is you might think you want to know that a horse has had the flu six weeks before it's run. You might think you, you want to know that a horse has had a snotty nose uh, two weeks before it's running. But you're probably better off, and I'm not saying that in a in a oh sure what would punters know to do with that information anyway. It's just that it's not relevant. You, I think you have to trust the professionals, um, in making a judgment call whether the horse is healthy enough to run or not. And um, while the summer, while there is clearly variation in the the skill of various trainers, I think uh, most most trainers are competent enough horsemen to make the right call, um, the vast majority of the time. 
Well, we can give two examples uh, from, from recent years. Uh, Pat Smullen eloquently spoke about the issue with Harzand on the morning mm. of the derby and the fact that he almost didn't go to Epsom. He almost stayed in Ireland to take rides here. Um, but they, you know, they looked at him. They did the best they absolutely could with him. And obviously he went and won a derby. And, uh, and, and he described that brilliantly on the interview, which you can listen back to on, on AtTheRaces.com and the Final Forum podcast. But also Willie Mullins and Cooldine. Like he said, after he won the RSA chase, well, he was lame this morning. And, and it's yeah, amazing. And that, I, it's just, it is fascinating that you make that point, Kevin, because we can get overloaded with data. Like, we, I think we want as much as we possibly can get. And we're very, very lucky that we have sites like At The Races and Timeform and The Racing Post. And there's so much information out there now. Rixie's ratings, even. It's, it's incredible <laughs> the amount of data that we're, that we're getting these days. But it can be an information overload. And as you said, if you were to look at everything in racing, you'd never bet. Yeah, look, it's all about the information being relevant. And this stuff, I don't think, is especially relevant. It can be very misleading. And we hear, we, we know, between us, we've, we've quoted probably half a dozen stories there, high-profile cases. If you were privy to every such background of every horse that ran every day, you would write a book every week of such so uh, it is incredibly common it is very unusual for a horse to have a genuinely genuinely uh, clear run over a long period of time it just doesn't really happen it's the nature of the, the nature of the animal the nature of what we're asking them to do and um, we, if we if, trust me if we do <laughs> I, I don't say that flippantly if you knew everything you would not have a bet <laughs> so we're back in action that's the good news racing returns on Wednesday and on Saturday we're going to have some absolutely stellar racing or are we rory because does the vaccination rules now mean that several horses will be automatically ruled out of running uh that's the suggestion um looking at various trainers um making lists of uh, brendan Pyle um with a with a pile of passports there um a very small pile with the ones that are able to run uh, a big pile of the ones that can't run and the ones that are able to run are the ones who are out of training at the moment so um uh i'd imagine you will you will have um a fair number nikki henderson i think um to give a run kind of, of those horses from his yard he wouldn't be able to run at the weekend um but you know you, you could give them the jab now and see how they get on mm. there's no stopping you if you can find the vet who's free yeah, I that think might be the, the biggest issue. The rule is you need six clear days, six clear days um, okay. after after vaccination before you're allowed to run. And I suppose that the key difference is while the 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 requirement is much lengthier in Britain than Ireland, six months compared to eight weeks, the Irish gave them some grace so that it's not it won't affect this weekend's racing, and right, it'll give yeah. the trainers a bit more time to have given the jabs there. That that yeah, I mean they, that rule they, came in on Friday, so. I'd say plenty gave the jabs on Saturday, which will obviously be be keeping just fine for the following week. Yeah. But uh, the the BHB the BHA sorry didn't deem didn't deem such a period of grace as being appropriate just because you know the threat of uh, of sending horses that aren't that don't have their vaccinations up to the new standard to the race is now given the you know I can see why they'd be reluctant to do it. Um, yeah. and they and they haven't. Well, the, the the initial memo went out um, last Thursday. A lot of people complaining that heard about this now, but um, although it wasn't it wasn't made, were recommended to to um, uh, to give them a booster. Um, yeah. So theoretically, some may, some may have done that straight Ireland. away. Yeah. Yeah, there was in, it was in the Irish field the, the better part of a month ago, 
everyone was recommended. And it's, I know the recommendation is different to being told to do it. Yeah. But um, there was a recommendation there that anything that hadn't been vaxxed in the last six months should be given a booster. Um, but I just have to, I, I, I'm speaking aloud, I'm thinking aloud now because it just came into my head there. Do you know what, what this could cause right problems for? Um, English horses coming to Punchestown. Yeah, I was just thinking because, that. Um, because if English horses... Uh, presumably, if, if their if their vaccines aren't, aren't in order at the minute, they'd all be vaccinated in the next couple of days, um, with a view to Cheltenham. But if they want to come to Punchestown at the end of April, the Irish conditions will 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 mean that they have to be vaccinated within eight weeks. So the vaccination they get this week won't actually cover them for Punchestown. So they'd have to get done again if they wanted to come to Punchestown. Do, do you think that might get looked ideal. at? You think that might get looked at again? I wonder because I think the, the IHRB have said that this they've they've basically said it's going to be a one-off in Ireland that you need to you'll need to I need to re-reread it now but yeah, based on my understanding it, of it at it, the minute if if you if you have yeah if you have to have a booster within within um, within eight weeks the suggestion is that you're you're vaccinating them six you know over six times a year which I, I wouldn't have thought I wouldn't have thought making yeah. an awful lot of sense going forward does it. Yeah, I think I, I actually have the, the press release here in front of me, but they've, they've essentially said, look, this is going to be a one-off thing in Ireland, but, but I wonder, does that mean it expires in eight weeks, the requirement expires in eight yeah, weeks, and we go back to the I would have thing? thought so. I would have thought it's it's there. I mean, I I don't have it in front of me, but I would have thought it's there to cover kind of, it's deemed to be a, a, a state of emergency, if you like. So as a one-off in this period, you'd need, you'd need to have it. But once everyone's going on roughly as normal, um, then it, it, you go back to, or, or you have to you have to formulate a, a new rule and maybe go back to six months. Yeah, it, it's, it's. I'm just reading it here. It doesn't seem a hundred percent clear. Just one point here is: it is expected that if horses are vaccinated with the appropriate vaccination after the eighth of February, they will not be required to receive a further emergency booster vaccination. So I, I, they might yeah. they, they might well have to give a bit of clarity on that because I can't imagine. Um, any British trainer that gives a vac in the coming days would we'll want to be doing to it, again. it again after checking. I'm guessing the fact that it's called an emergency booster means it's it's clearly not meant to be an ongoing thing. Yeah, maybe just so, for the next eight yeah, weeks. Yeah, but you clearly need a bit of clarification. But yeah, that that, that would be my um, that would be my understanding. The fact that mm. we're all a little bit perplexed by that means that we're still not 100% sure of how all of this is going to play out. And I dare not even bring it up, lads, but I might as well. We still don't know what's going to happen with Brexit. So we don't even know. <laughs> we don't even know if, we're, if we can have UK runners come to Ireland. Honestly, we honestly don't know. Yeah, but just in terms of the flu, I think that the heavy lifting is done now. I think we're the, the most important decision of all was the decision the BHA had to make last night. And I'm just I'm just really happy that um, that they went the way they did. If they had persisted with um, keeping racing off the road, um, uh, you know I don't know what they would have even have been in pursuit of. You know would they have chased down anything that came in touch and in touch with Christopher's horses and and wanted to get negatives from all them before they kicked on. You know just it would have been a very slippery slope. And, yeah, it'd be uh, very hard to define when you could come back if yeah. if you couldn't come back Wednesday. Because we've established at this stage that, you know, the Crisford horses that tested positive had zero connection with Donald McCain's. So, you know, that's a, it's a separate thing altogether. And if, like I was saying, kind of in, in the days after this kicked off, you know, if you keep looking and keep testing, you will find flu. Yeah. 
and uh, and that was just my biggest concern now that they would keep looking and they keep finding and because they, they, they'd set out the way they had they couldn't justify going back racing while they kept finding positives so I'm just really happy that they, that they made that call um, look nothing certain in life but I think um, I, I think and hope uh, we're out of the woods on this one um, there'll be lessons learned um, there'll be better practice in the industry I think because of this scare because it's a a sad reality of human nature. I think that sometimes we need a bit of a fright just to concentrate our minds and to get us to get everyone concentrating and doing the right thing. Um, and I think, think this will, will certainly uh, have that effect with regard to the flu and just general, just general uh, stable management and hygiene and race courses, making sure that they do everything they can in the race course stables or what have you to make sure that there's no chance of, of any little things getting transferred here or there. So, um, that's that's the silver lining of, of what's been you know a difficult week. It seems like it's been longer than what it was. Oh, it we've come we've come from Wednesday night to what are we now Monday night? But it, geez, it seemed like longer than that. But look, thankfully we're we're back in the right spot and we're ready to rumble again on Wednesday. Kevin, tomorrow, Jesus, it's <laughs> um it's Tuesday. It's it's Tuesday. Here's <laughs> my head gone. <laughs> Oh, you're all right, my friend, because my head is blown to pieces as well. So you're okay. We're we're, we're all going a little bit mad. Uh, maybe maybe we're getting a coin flu. Oh no, um, Rory. Oh no, <laughs> and I haven't even said oh no in so long. Oh god, uh, Rory, are you confident that we have seen the back of this now, and that the BHA and the IHRB can all move on past this, and move on, and keep on going with racing? Yeah, you'd, you'd definitely hope so. And what we've seen suggests, I mean, there was a doomsday scenario in the first place that we're, we're going to see a massive spread of this. And um, thankfully, that hasn't happened, uh, judging by the testing that's been done in the, in the last week. And it's clearly going to continue to be a minor problem. But as long as you know it's a minor problem, then you know you can contain it and you can deal with it um, with, with standard protocols. Um, and hopefully, that's the end of it. Obviously, you can never say never. Um, and all you need is, is a, um, uh, a different strain um, to, to hit these shores or a scenario where, you know, where vaccinated horses are, are um, hit harder um, by the equine flu. But, you know, thankfully, as Kevin pointed out very early, um, if, if the symptoms are not as severe and the risk of, of um, shedding and spreading the, um, uh, the virus is minimised um, as it has been, then it, that's good news all around. And, I, and I'll tell you what, lads, just, just a, a dose of our perspective is never any harm. If you're not familiar with it, go onto your old Google machine there and type in strangles, S-T-R-A-N-G-L-E-S, mm. and, have a, and, and have, a, have a bit of reading about that and look at some of the images, because that is a contagious disease now that would frighten the life out of anyone. That is a problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For, me, for me, the equine flu is more of an inconvenience and it's a bit disruptive but but strangles good jesus that is a problem that's lethal and isn't it? uh oh stop yeah oh horrendous they'll they'll burst that they're ah oh, the, the pictures now are disgusting it is a horrific horrific um thing to get into a yard podcast listeners that's not not safe for work like don't don't do that on your work computers uh, do it do it in your own time <laughs> Jeez, uh, not this again imagine imagine <laughs> if your boss walks past as you're looking at those images like what is what is jane up to what are you into oh sorry kevin blake told me <laughs> to uh, so yeah, Jesus. don't don't do that. Look, we can. I think we can move on to the Grand National weights, which came out. Who's the British handicapper, Kevin Blake? 
Um, Dominic Gardner Hill. Was it? Um, uh, Greenwood. Martin Greenwood. Greenwood, yeah. yeah, Martin Greenwood, sorry, yeah, apologies. I ask you this uh, because uh, I don't know, because we don't have a handicapper now who is all over the place and making a big song and dance about it. But anyway, see you later, Phil, and enjoy your retirement. I, 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 actually, I actually saw Mr. Greenwood um, interviewed there for the first time today, and I thought he came across very well, actually. It was my first time to, to hear, him, hear him speak, if you will. And I think it's good that it was today was the first time that you heard him speak and not beforehand. Right, uh, 11 well, stone we'll, we'll, we'll wish him the very best of luck in what is a tankless, tankless job. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we don't, we don't need him stepping out like uh, the previous man did. Every two minutes. Bristol DeMay will carry top weight if he takes up the engagement of 11 stone 10. Annabelle Fly's got 11 stone 6. Alpha de Sobo, 11 stone 4. Elegant Escape, 11 stone 3. Don't read them all. Three. I won't, don't worry. <laughs> uh, the Storyteller, 11 stone 3. Right, get ready, folks. Ed Wolf's got 11 stone 1. Uh, the interesting one is Tiger Roll carrying 11 stone 1 as well, the defending champion. Um, Rory, you've been taking a look at the market and the weight since it's come out. It's going to be a welter burden for the little warrior Tiger Roll to carry. Uh, I've no doubt he'll be able to do it. Whether he can win it again is another matter. But what is standing out to you as a potential play right now after the weights have been announced? Um, I, I hate to say it. I hate to say it because you've heard it before. Um, but I, just, I, I wasn't looking for a name. I was looking for a right. I'm going to look. I'm on a horse that's at least nine and I want to have a nice racing weight, something that's down in the 40s somewhere that I know is going to sneak in. Um, and there you go, smack in the face, Maldini. Oh, yeah, boy, yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, you can't see it. I could see it. Uh, listen, I and I thought I, I, I saw him and I gave myself a you know, I had a little wry smile and I thought, huh, he'd be he'll be um twisting my arm again and have a few bob each way on him. He's a little bit of a character, he's not from 13 over fences in his career. Um, of course, we all know the maidens can't win the Grand National, don't we? Ah, they're good things now. The, 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 trend, the trend has reversed. But 100, 130 years of no maiden winning the Grand National, and suddenly it's the uh, it's the it's the way to go. Um, but yeah, the fact that he's a maiden is is, is almost an irrelevance. Most you know novices have a, a bad record in the in the race. Um, traditionally, Mr. Watt won the won the national in 1958, and novices since then uh, had done very poorly. But Rule the world was was not your not your archetypal novice. A horse with a hell of a lot of class, but a little bit of of quirkiness, a bit of character about him. And Maldini's very much in the same mould. Um, I, I have to say, <laughs> you don't you don't want to let him catch your eye. Um, but having got involved in him for the um, for the Kimura last year, where it looked like it was going to go to plan every oh, yard of oh the trip until the run is sickening. Um, he, I thought he was a massive eye-catch in the Thiesties. Okay. Um, went round the inside, held up, um, uh, and had no chance of winning before the home turn. You didn't want to go around the inside at, at Goran that day at all. But having having looked like he was going to finish about 12th or 13th, um, turning into the straight, he's run on really well to be 6th, and he was going on really, really nicely at the finish. Um, and... Uh, he's deaf. We know he's well handicapped. It's always been well handicapped. It's a case of whether you can get him to deliver. I know he pulled out on the Irish National last year. It was it was unraceable that day, and he still he travelled for most of the race. Again, like like um, 
uh, as likely winners in the and he just couldn't handle the conditions in the end. He's a horse who's who's got form on, on heavy ground, but he's shown his his best form on, on you know good good to soft ground over the years, um, winning the um, the pretemps of course and landing a, a quiet punt there before being laid out for the Cheltenham Festival for the last two years. The interesting thing about him this year is I it looks to me like he's going to miss Cheltenham. Because he he's he qualifies for the National Hunt Chase. He clearly wants four miles these days. No entry in the National Hunt Chase. Oh, same as last year, sickener. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But you know, but of course, you know, you could they could think about it again there. And unlike unlike last year, the Kim Muir is not an option this year. Can't run him the Kim Muir off his off his mark. Um, he's one four eight, isn't he? Mm, he is. So yeah, one, he's two, he's too high now. Yeah. Unless unless Pat thinks he can run down the field in the next ten <laughs> days and get the handicap to drop him three pounds, uh, and if he does, he's a he's a better man than me. Um, then that side of the the equation as well. There's a vague possibility of the Ultima, but uh, you know the Ultima is is just a little bit further than three miles. I don't think I don't think it's enough of a test for him. Um, and it looks to me like like Pat's going to swerve Cheltenham altogether and and go for entry. And if he does, it's such an attractive weight. Um, ten four as it stands, and Nigel Twiston Davis is very keen to run Bristol to May in the in the national, as long as he comes out of the Gold Cup uh, in reasonable shape. Um, and if that is true, then Maldini will be getting in with that ten stone four, which is um, very inviting, I have to say. Um, and for all he's a bit of a character and he looks after himself, it's just the kind of horse you want in a national. Would yeah. you have blinkers on or off, Rory? Uh, blinker, blinkers on. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be sticking blinkers on him for the first time. But of course, he ran in blinkers in the uh, in the Kim Muir last year, and it wasn't, it wasn't a problem for him. It doesn't bother me enormously. I, I, I like to think that the national is interesting enough for a character like him that they don't need headgear as well. Mm. Yeah, the the reason I ask is just the the view I came away with from from the Kim Muir last year was that the blinkers almost worked too well. Yeah. Um, they, they they had him travelling too well the whole way and he kind of jumped his way into the race too early and yeah. Patrick would have liked to have arrived there later than he did and I'd say over a much longer trip in a national yeah, yeah, you don't, you don't I'd, want be, I'd be happier if they weren't on yeah, yeah. and like yeah. you say just the national being the national will act like a, a set of invisible blinkers on him anyway won't it? You'd, you'd hope yeah because that's but yeah, I, I, that's, I could one hundred percent see the case for him. I I I'd agree. I think it would, the race would really suit him. It's an interesting take that you both have there about the blinkers, because many people will be arguing, oh, that's when the blinkers are reapplied. That's when you should be getting stuck into them. And it's really weird, Kevin, to have a horse of his ability yet to win over fences. He's kind of a cause of causes type that he's you know coming back in as a novice over fences because he's yet to win. Like this is a super talented horse when everything goes right. Yeah, you know, we'll speak plainly. You know, if they didn't want him to be a novice, he wouldn't be a novice. He could have won. He could have won any number of races before now. I have, I have no idea what Kevin Blake is suggesting, and the views of at the races and the final forum podcast are not those of Kevin Blake. (laughs) But you know, they've campaigned him to, like Rory says, to 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 get him to the Cheltenham Festival of of a mark he can win off. They've delivered him. They delivered him there very well last year. The ground went against them, and he's still there. He won. Um, you know, like he says, the, the handicap mark is attractive. They've been very patient with him, and um, yeah, he'd be. What, what price is he? Is he twenty five? Yeah, I'm okay. At, I'm looking at the races here. Twenty five to one is, uh, is is widely available. Yeah, that that is interesting. Though it really is. No, I I could definitely see the case for El Maldini. Okay. And there are there aren't many horses of his. I mean, just uh, we've done this already, really. But there aren't many horses of his class who get in with that kind of weight. You know, the, these days the National is a case of you, you show your hand and you end up with 11 stone odds. 
even if you're just a high-class handicapper. You know, you don't have to be a grade one performer to get more than 11 stone in the national these days. Um, so in order to get in there off 10 stone, you've either got to be going in with an inexperienced horse or a horse who you're hoping will raise his game um, for the national, having having been a little bit further down the tree. He's not in that mould. You know, he, he really is an 11 stone odd horse on on pure ability. Mm. Um, and it's, it's unusual to go through the weights and think, you know, I'm looking at the horses at the top and going fully exposed, fully exposed, fully exposed. Um, you know, in the old days, you, you could all you could see a plot in the national, um, and it's become harder and harder to plot a horse up for a high class handicap. You've got to be, you've got to show the handicapper you're good enough to get in in the first place these days. Um, so um, it, it's unusual for one to jump off the page at me like that in these races. All right, I, I can tell you that on the at the races app, you can get thirty three to one. Now, I don't, oh, yeah, right. I don't know if that's 33s with Blake Bet, but you can get 33 <laughs> to 1 with, uh, with at least one firm about Maldini, and I don't think that'll last too much longer after Rory's endorsement. This, yeah, so this could be, this could be um, Emmett Kennedy bet, couldn't it? These oh. mythical prices that you're constantly seeing. A scumbag this. each way, 66 to 1 shot that never really existed, but we'll claim that it did. No, 33s is there. <laughs> It's just a matter of how much you can have on, but somebody is is sticking yeah. their neck out and going 33s. Uh, is there anything else on your shortlist, or is that the horse that just slapped you in the face, Rory? Um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put you off the top weight. Okay. You know, you know, you know how much I love Bristol Demay. Uh, yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, um, and he does have he does have plenty of weight, but at the same time, we are looking at compressed weights, and he's got less weight than he should have. Um, I'd kind of rather not see him uh, running the Cheltenham Gold Cup, which looks like it's going to be his his uh, his trial for the national. But you know, Nigel Twiston Davis has come around with the idea that you know this horse should love entry, given how much he loves he loves um, Haydock. Um, and you know, every now and again, you get a top weight who's good enough to 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 go to do it or go close to it. He's similar to to Sunny Bay, not just in colour. Um, and um, you know, it, it's just a worry that the Gold Cup can be a really tough race um, as a prep, and he's a horse who tends to do his best running fresh. But you know, I certainly wouldn't be ruling out, ruling him out at thirty threes and bigger as well. All right, Kev, what do you think of Bristol Demay's profile for the Grand National? He's a proper Grade One horse that can't be denied. But is it mostly reserved for Haydock? Um, yeah, look and. I don't. I wouldn't be ruling them out just on account of top weight. You know, we've talked about that enough on the podcast. I don't think top weight in in these high class handicaps is anything but a barrier. In fact, I think they they might end up being a small bit well treated compared to what they would have been fifteen or twenty years ago. Um, so I, I don't mind them. I, I'd imagine they'll go sneaky pokey and try and find something a bit uh, further down the weights. Um, other than Maldini. Um, and bear in mind, though, I have I've, I've been on the road all day. I haven't had a chance to hammer this down, but. Uh, Ramsey's the tele is one that could potentially be interesting for for your man old Pipey. Um, I think on another day he's infected he, you, hasn't he? This, it's not so much the flu that's infectious; it's this, <laughs> it's this Kennedy Pipe Ramsey's the tele. Finally, finally, I got the French names David Pipe. <laughs> I, I got them all. I just uh, I I fancied him for the Welsh National, and I thought he ran an absolute stormer. Um, it might have been the fourth last. Um, he absolutely chested, and um, uh, that that was a serious mistake. And I know El- Elegant Escape was maybe getting a small bit idle um, late on, but he, he ran an absolute belter. Um, stays really well. Um, other than that, he jumped he jumped really well the whole way around. So you know, young horse progressing away. 
uh, has a nice weight. You know, he'd be one that that I'd have a peek at. Um, and then you know, at generally, you know, you can make cases for the likes of um, for the likes of um, Manila Rocco. You know, who's often often the seemingly attractive weight now, but maybe his best days are behind him. And generally, I'd rather a horse that's kind of on the upsies rather than looking well handicapped, having been a bit higher before. Um, I know there's been exceptions to that, but that that would, in the main that would be my preferred approach. So ah, we'll have a hammer down of this. There's plenty of more evidence to be added into the book in the coming weeks. I'd say we'll have we'll have a few national hopes running uh, at Gore and on Saturday. I suspect mm-hmm. in what what will be the best red mill chase of all time. <laughs> it's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be yeah, I can't, I can't wait. And what's great is you actually predicted this on the podcast a few weeks ago. It's going to be uh, it wasn't rocket science. Now it wasn't well, rocket science. True enough, but, but yeah. there weren't a whole lot of other people shouting about it. So I'll give you the props when you deserve it, Kevin. I can also tell you that on the at the races app, Bristol Demay is widely available at thirty-three to one. Jesus. So that's going to be getting Rory distracted as well. And as for Kevin Blake flip-flop now backing the david pipe train bandwagon <laughs> following me over the i cliff. just gave him a mention <laughs> rams de telly is widely available at 50 to 1 there we go <laughs> or should i say was widely available at 50s uh, we're about to start smacking into that right now so that's your your current thoughts uh, thoughts on rathbin yeah hey hey and don't forget about the pollinator if he wins the national, I'll be doing the McGregor strut in the winner's enclosure at Aintree. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. 66 <laughs> to 1. Yeah, I, I would imagine so. Kev, like he has not looked himself at all. Well, to be fair, I met Eddie O'Leary at a thing the other day and I'd always ask him about Poli. Now, he's the only horse that I'd, I'd ask him about because mostly it's none of my business, but I'd always ask him about Poli. And uh, he he thinks he's still there. Like he thinks the horse is still there. Okay. He's been brought along steadily. He just need, he just needs you know they've they've missed a few engagements with him there. They just don't want to chance him on uh, on on the put the ground that has generally prevailed. So there is hope. So there was a bit then. of an ease in the ground. There is hope then that, yeah. that he remains intact. That that there's there's possibilities that he could be in because on the Galway didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, uh, but there's, there's. I thought he, I thought he jumped well over the big ones for a long way, and then he was just kind of just. I don't know what you'd say. He he just um, he was kind of allowed. He was allowed to drop out of contention a bit when he got a bit tired. But um, I, I think I have a feeling there might be a bit of headgear utilised at some stage with him. Um, and yeah, look, I, I I just love to see him get out and get out in the front end there and put on. If he was still there, going out the last circuit, you get excited, like oh yeah. Like, like, like I said, like I said a couple of years ago, at this stage, the days of the days of Poli being a, a betting interest are probably long gone. But Jesus, support him until the day he finishes. <laughs> well, to be fair, it, when he's available at sixty-six to one, then I, I think that it's reasonable enough to throw a few quid on him. Um, what do you both think of Rathvinden's profile for the race? Let's start with Rory. Um, well, he's coming. He's coming out obviously the National Hunt Chase last year, and um, uh, that's thrown up the winners of, of um, uh, big staying handicaps in recent times. He's he's more exposed than most who've come that route. He had a lot of experience before he went there, and given that he won over four miles at Cheltenham last year, he he's not actually he's not short of a little bit of tool. 
Um, you'd, you'd normally say that you're guaranteed stayer if you've if you've done that. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure he would take to it. You know, he he does have. He does have two ways of running, um, and a lot of people will say, "Oh, horses like that sometimes get lit up by by entry." But I, I think he's the type who, you know, it, like you say with a lot of horses, if he gets over the first three fences and he looks happy enough, then you give him a chance. But I think he's the type to um to have wave the white flag by the time he gets over the first ditch. Okay, is this a trap, Rory? Is this a trap? Because uh, <laughs> after last year, I sat myself down and I said. Kevin, do not fall into the trap of making too big a deal about these new fences, because they're not what they were. They're I, I, they're not as big a factor as they once were. Horses get away with things over them that they would never have got away with before. True, but it, I, my, for me, it's not so much the fences as as it is the forty runners for a okay. lot of these horses. You know, so I, I think you know there are a lot of horses who like a little bit like things their own way. Uh, they like a little bit of room to do their own thing, and, and uh, it's just tearing down the the first line of fences. Um, a few horses have. You know, if you watch the national any year, there's plenty of classy horses that after three fences, you can you can write off because they're clearly not taken to it, and it's not because mm. they're struggling to jump. It's because this this real cavalry charge uh, in the early stages is not their cup of tea. It's just different. Mm. Yeah, but then again, you know, the, a lot of the horses you think aren't going to take to it, absolutely love it. Or you'll get horses who. I remember when when Seagram won the national and and Roddy Green got off him and said he absolutely hated it for the first circuit, hated it. He wanted to pull himself up the whole way round, and then after a while he, he thought actually this isn't as bad as I thought it was, and he nursed him into the race. and And the further they went, the more he enjoyed it. Um, but you know, it's it's sometimes not a case of loving it from from the the moment you start. Um, sometimes it can be a, a difficult experience for the horses, but if you can somehow keep them in the race, then they will warm up and. Um, we've seen we've seen a few come from very unpromising positions to win as a result. So you know, a, a lot of the old adages you have to take with a pinch of salt. But I'd I wouldn't rule Ralph Finn tonight. But you know, sometimes you, you look at a horse like him and you think, oh, he's 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 kind of up and coming. Given he won at he won at the festival last year and he's 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 you know only had the one run since and he's been laid out for it. But you know, he is an eleven year old and he's got plenty of miles on the clock. So mm. um, I'm not I'm not overly keen. I, th- there's something about him, Kevin, that really makes me very, very interested in him. I think his primary asset is his jumping. And I'm fully in agreement with you. They're not the fences they used to be. That's why Tiger Roll was able to go and win it. Like the point that you uh, were making... he'll, he'll never he'll never jump around here, Kenners. They're like stone walls. <laughs> he'll never jump around. Because the point you the point you were making about poor old Tiger Roll was while you were very, very confident that he would win the cross country. You kept pointing out the fact that he made an absolute horlicks of the Grand National fence at Cheltenham in November, but then <laughs> he just walked straight through it, <laughs> plowed his way through it. But then in the cross country chase, in the actual race of the festival, that was dolled off. He didn't have to jump it. So going yeah, to Aintree, then it, it, it was it, in your mind that that was a problem. Yeah, if you watch him at Aintree, like he's just he's very low, like he's just very low. And you you wonder would he have got away with it back in back in the day, but we're not back in the day. Yeah, nineteen fifty two has passed. Um, and uh, he's just he's low. He's just low with everything he does. He's low because um, I think he, he he stands a bit low to the ground as well as jumping to it. But um, he, he's a he's a fabulous horse. Jeez, I'd love to see him go back and, and give it a good rumble again. It uh, would he, be, he's, he's he's a great horse. It honestly would be a fantastic sight. If do you think he's got too much weight? No, 
you know, he's he's had to overcome things before, and if if the tiger's on a good day and he fancies it, he'll he'll run well. Okay. Wait, wait, no object. You might be tempted to say. <laughs> That's restricted for Josie's orders only, uh, who Kevin and I will talk about in a few minutes' time. I know Rory's uh, time is is coming up there. He's got a busy schedule and things to do, places to go, babies to kiss, and fa- fashion oh, shows to attend. And uh, the, apparently... The fire alarm's just gone off here as well. That's why Boogie's gone nuts. I was, I was just going to say, what is that noise in the background? I know there's a dog barking, but what's the alarm? Uh, so as you deal with the literal fire that you have to put out, uh, one final question for you. We know that the good doctor loves to listen to the show. So Richard Newland, Harold Shipman. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Uh, abolitionists <laughs> was really good at, uh, at entry back in November. Um, I quite like him. He's 11 years of age. Would he be another horse that you could give a profile to? For the race? <laughs> I know. Yes, the Charlie, fire alarm Charlie is going off, Charlie. The fire alarm is on again. Don't worry, Charlie. Mommy will keep us safe. Isn't that right? <laughs> Charlie, run for the hills. Your your grand Charlie, don't never never run for fire. Felix, can you say never mind abolitionist? It's not, I don't. I, I, um, joking aside, I don't mind abolitionist. I I, I very much like um, Richard Newland's uh, approach to finding national horses, um, and he was um, uh, placed in the Irish version, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, a couple of seasons ago when he's a horse that I've had in my mind um, for the race as well. Um, he does, he likes the class of, of a couple, but he, he ends up lower down the weights as a result. I noticed that he had he had an entry at, um, at Ascot at the weekend um, in the Ascot chase itself, in actual fact. That's why I was deciding to give you the, to ask him about now and not wait for the weekend. Uh, exactly. I, I, could, I could see him running above himself in that. Okay. And I'm talking to Kevin and Emmett. Can you say, hi, guys, Maldini wins? Can you talk to them now? Here's your microphone. Hi, Charlie. Hello. There you go. Charlie says, hello, Felix. Can hello, you say hello, Maldini hello. Wins? What's going on here, then? Maldini wins. <gasps> Kevin. Felix says Maldini wins, so you've heard it. You've heard it. There we go. Thank you, Felix. If you <laughs> say so, <laughs> then it has to be true. And that basically is Rory's cue to head off. Uh, Rory, it's been great having you back on the show. Um, thanks very much My pleasure. for your insight as always. And looking forward to chatting to you again in a couple of weeks. Great stuff. Cheers, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye. Rory, Felix, Charlie. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, Abolitionist is a horse I, I really like, and I decided I better give him a mention now and not try and be a, a smart ass after he's run at the weekend. He's available at 33 to 1. I think he might be able to get 40s in the place, and he is currently off a weight of 10 stone 2 in the Grand National. Uh, so, Kevin, we will wrap things up by taking a brief look back at the weekend. Um, now, we haven't spoken about this, so I have no idea what your reaction was to the weekend's results. Was Band of Outlaws victory a moment where you punched the air with delight and went, fantastic, somehow Joseph has sorted out his jumping, he's a right one, or did you put your hand in your, your head in your hands and go, oh my God, that's the Fred Winter blown? <laughs> um, well, it's fairly simple. He had two runs over hurdles. He, you, you, don't quali- you can't qualify for the Fred Winter unless you have three. Um, so he had to run somewhere and um, that was a, a four-year-old hurdle for horses rated 130 or less 
so it, it fit in well from uh, with the, the handicapper he didn't give a lot of those horses a lot of ratings but you, you could ask him if he let you run and he was happy to let him run and um, I don't think it was much of a race to be honest Kenners I Kenito was disappointing I'd say he'd want a more truly run race um, the winner had been absolutely run over in, in a grade two that hasn't worked out at all well um, at Leopardstown's Christmas meeting uh, Band of Outlaws is a speed horse you know his flat form would tell you that he was ridden for speed as he was the start before and um, I think the leader stopped and um, and he ended up winning really well great to see now because like I said in the podcast before if you, if you want to uh, have a look at his hurling debut. You'll never see a horse worse jump in your jump worse in your life. <laughs> it's absolutely abysmal. Um, but he's really he's really come on in that regard. To be fair to him, um, he's got a mark of one thirty four off the Irish handicapper. Um, and I, I don't know what the British handicapper will do this year. But last year, um, the way they dealt with the Irish juvenile hurdlers was to basically add six pounds to the Irish mark um, universally. They did that with everything, I'm almost certain. So he'd have 140 in the Fred Winter, which would generally the top weight, I think, in the last four or five years has been between 139 and 142. So he'd be near enough top weight, um, which which is obviously not ideal. But sure, look, we'll wait and see. Uh, Joseph has plenty of juveniles to sort through. And um, hopefully they all stay sound and in good form. And the week before uh, I'm sure it'll be split up to some extent hmm. uh, but yeah he's just another one to throw into the mix he's officially rated a stone behind Sir Eric and that's uh, if they ran in that if they ran in the handicap and Sir Eric had to give him a stone I'd bet you Sir Eric would have plenty of backers <laughs> yeah I would uh, more than happily back Sir Eric on, under those circumstances in terms of Canito he was very disappointing, as you've said yourself, but it seems as though the race just wasn't run to plan for him. So he's the one that I'd actually be more interested in for the Fred Winter. What kind of a yeah. rating has he gotten? Maybe so. They haven't published the rating for him. I'd imagine it'd be somewhere in the, the high 120s. Um, that's a guess, because sometimes it can be hard to estimate what, what they're what they're thinking with, the, with these juveniles mm. um, at, at times. Um, look, it was fairly simple. He's a very, very different type of horse, the Band of Outlaws, and the way the race panned out um, didn't do so to his strengths at all. If you put him back in a more strongly run race with more of an emphasis on stamina, like you'd imagine if Red Winter would be, maybe he could bounce back. But um, he'd, he'd very much need to. You know, and, you know, we'll see what rating he gets. He'll be given an entry, I'm sure. Hmm. And, um, and hopefully he'd get in. He wouldn't be a certainty to get in if he's... If, if he's you need to be if you're a 130 in England you'd be very hopeful to get a run so we'll see he'd need to be he'd need to be mid 120s in Ireland to give himself a chance so we'll wait and see okay. we'll wait and see we've, we've, we've a little while yet before um, the entries close next week off the top of my head and the weights will come out somewhere around the 1st of March so we've plenty of time to think about it he's definitely the one that, that's on my mind just the Fred Winter is a helter-skelter race, big field, strong pace. He stays, forgive him that run, and uh, hopefully we'll get a double-figure price about him. He's the one who interests me. Uh, a yeah, lot I'd, of, imagine, I'd imagine you get a big price, yeah? Yeah, well, I would hope so, hopefully. Um, City Island, a lot of people were, were talking about beforehand, and he got the job done. I don't really know what he beat, Kev, in the Connolly's Red Mills Irish EBF auction novice hurdle, but it's all roads to Cheltenham now after his seven-length victory at long odds on. 
Yeah, not much would be the answer to your question there. And wasn't much of a race. Didn't look much of a race on paper. But you, you like the way he did it now. I've liked this horse along the way now from his bumpers up along. He's always looked potentially a very nice horse. And um, it looks like he's developing into one. Look, Cheltenham would be a totally different kettle of fish in terms of competitiveness. But um, given that he doesn't represent one of the bigger trainers, albeit he does represent a, a Grand National winning trainer, you'd imagine the market would probably underestimate him a little bit. He's probably he's probably the type of horse now, just thinking aloud, that um, we'll get plenty of mentions on the Cheltenham preview circuit because there's always one of those, you know, the sm- smaller stable. You know that, that that a lot of people latch on to, and he could maybe be the one uh, that fits that profile this year. Okay, he doesn't really seem to be a horse that's interesting you for the race, though. Um, no, look, I'm, I'm not knocking the horse. I, I really like him, but um, I, I think I think that I, I looked at the updated ratings there this morning. I think he's been given a mark of one forty-three or something like that. So you know, you need more improvement from that to win an obvious hurdle at Cheltenham. But he, he's clearly going the right way does things the right way he's a nice horse um, but me myself I'd want to be getting a big price and I assume he is a big price to be fair uh, I will actually look that up Kevin and while I look that up I will get your views on Bally Casey who Vanessa Ryle put the absolute pox on <laughs> 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 as he ran a miserable race in the P.P. Hogan Memorial Cross Country chase. This is the horse for who weight is no object. Josie's orders. He's a lovable horse. He absolutely loves Cheltenham. And could he be the biggest threat to the mighty Tiger Roll? Oh, he could well be. Look, fabulous horse. Weight is clearly no object to him. Um, look, you'd have to like him. There's no great secrets with him. But he seems to be in great order, I'm sure. Um, and uh, we'll have him there in tip-top form uh, with regards to Bally Casey. The one thing I'd say is, you know, just don't forget that the the, the, the Banks track at Punchestown is very different to the cross-country track at Cheltenham. And he didn't enjoy himself now at Punchestown, but he did run very well around Cheltenham um, earlier this season. So uh, while I can only, I haven't seen the updated market, I can only assume he's he's drifted in price. I wouldn't be giving up on him just yet now. Really? Because this was... He got hammered. Oh, terrible run. Terrible run. But um, back at Cheltenham, it could be a different story. Is it, as we approach it now, and a lot of bookmakers have gone non-runner, no bet, is it really just a case of that Tiger Royal only needs to turn up? Uh, the cross-country race is never that straightforward. Um, but if it was kind of good ground there out in the middle, geez, it'd be hard to beat, I'd say. Yeah. I think he's going to, I think he's going to run... Um, I think he's going to run the Galmoy Hurdle or one of those... The what's it called? The is it a Galmoy? No, we've had, a, we had the Galmoy a tree, a tree, a, Yeah, the, sorry, there's a three mile, three mile hurdle at Navin. I I think he, he's going to run in that. I know the race um, you're talking about. Let me try and yeah, he, he's going to run anyway. I think this weekend. Okay. Um, and that'll be his prep run. So hopefully, yeah, you know, it doesn't really matter what he does this weekend, but you know, Gordon's trained them with two days in mind, and um. Jeez, I'd love it if he won. <laughs> it'd be great. <laughs> it'd be fantastic. It really would. It's the boy. Yeah. The boy hurdle. Him, like if, 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 the boy hurdle. Yeah, there we go. Sorry, apologies. Um, it, look, if he gets his ground, I, I'd love to see him getting his ground because that's always been the view that everyone associated with the horse has always had that he wants decent ground. And didn't get it last season. Didn't stop him winning the cross country and the Grand National. So, 
Um, yeah, look, looking forward to him getting there in top order on the day, hopefully. Yeah, the official going for the cross-country was soft. It was soft in my eye. The two of us were out in the track sinking into it. That was heavy ground that day. Uh, and he still went and won. And it, as it was, of course, at entry, it was heavy as well. So yeah, as long as, as long as he doesn't have that Grand National penalty that almost affects every single horse that, that wins the race, they never win again. Um, although the mighty many clouds defied that, uh, the poor old thing. But I just he's such a class act and he's still only nine, Kev. Um, yeah, that's it. You I know, really plenty, hope. Plenty of miles in the clock, I know, but yeah, the tiger. He'll be back for more. So he's entered for the weekend along with the likes of uh, Cocon Mont for Hurricane Flies owners. Kilolta Vic is in there as well. Prince of Scars, a talented horse back in the day. Bacchuson, Annabelle Fly at Toyville. They're all in there for Navin. We'll talk more about that on Thursday's show. Um, I can give you the price for the Ballymore. I can tell you that City Island is a best price. 11 to 1. Oh, Jesus, right, okay. And is mostly okay, yeah. 8 or 9 to 1. Yeah, personally, I'd want bigger than that now. But that's just me. Well, it makes me look at Beakstown more. Because I, I I really think Dan Skelton's got a proper horse there, and you can get 20s about him. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Jesus. Beakstown won a grade 1 last time, didn't he? And yeah. City Island just won a very, very mucky auction novice hurdle. I, I know which one I'd rather be with. And it's, it's there, well, there you go, has there a great man said. Uh, the Boyle Sports Grand National Trial Handicap Chase went the way of Dunicos, a brilliant ride from Davy Russell. Um, Joseph agonizingly just in behind from a man who's from my town, Andrew Ring, a very talented young rider, uh, in Wishmore, finishing a fine race to be second. It was a battalion of Gigginstown horses coming over the last, and Dunicos got himself back into the winner's enclosure in the Grand National Trial, Kev. He did, yeah, and I know a couple of good judges that fancied him for the TS days and um, didn't quite work out there, but got compensation here. And um, you'd wonder, would they be looking at the big one? What way did he get today? I think he's... I can tell you, Dr. Blake, that Dunicus got a rating of... Well, he's got running off a mark of 10 stone 10. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you'd imagine Gordon will run. Um, I think he was quoted today as saying he'll run 15 if he can. So <laughs> I'd imagine doing a cost would very much be amongst the, his favourite ones. So, um, yeah, why not? Today as well. Good hardy horse, good profile. Uh, decent race and weight. Yeah, why not? Eddie and Michael have had a taste of Grand National success. The boycott, the boycott is definitely over and they are coming. Irish Grand National <laughs> style. The boys are coming. And they want to win. Because uh, just imagine if Gordon wants to have 15 and how many <laughs> other Gigginstown trainers there are as well who will also be having runners there. It's going to be very, very exciting. Tell you what else Jeez, is going to be. Struggle, they're going to struggle to find enough caps. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Hoyles, we're already thinking of you. Good luck with that one. <laughs> um, our Cheltenham preview night is fast approaching. We're going to be back in the GOAT in Dublin and very much looking forward to it. Uh, there are various competitions for tickets on at the races Twitter, so make sure you keep an eye on that. On the night, Kevin and I will be joined by Matt Chapman, who is making his at the races Cheltenham Festival preview night debut and I think is just delighted to be coming back to Ireland, where he's loved and adored. He, <laughs> he can't wait to get back here. So uh, we're looking forward to having Matt on the panel. We'll also be joined by the brilliant jockey, Barry Garrity, uh, the absolute legend that is Jamie Codd, and the king of Cavan, and now Irish <laughs> tipping expert for at the races, the diesel kid, Tony Keenan. 
will be there on the night as well. So, look, it should be a lot of fun. If you can't get tickets, don't worry. You will be able to watch it live on Facebook and at theraces.com on Twitter. You can use the mirroring, hunk it up, hook it up to your TV, watch it if you've got a smart TV online, watch it on your laptop, watch it on your iPad, whatever way you want to do it, you will be able to see us and it will be available to watch afterwards as well on YouTube too. So I'm really looking forward to it, Kev. It's not that far away now. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be a great buzz. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's always a great night, great atmosphere. Uh, there'll be a big enthusiastic crowd there, so it should be fantastic. And I'll tell you, just with mention of the Diesel Kid, I've been meaning to do it for for absolute months, and I keep forgetting. I have to give a shout out to a fella, and forgive the pronunciation if it's wrong, Pater de, de Bath. Um, because every time I put up an article or anything on Facebook, and now this has been going on for months and months and months, he'll reply underneath it with something like the Diesel Kid, the Kerosene Kid. <laughs> The, the emo the, the emo soldier <laughs> the what the emo soldier <laughs> all this random stuff related to Tony Peter <laughs> and at first I thought he was just a bit of a bit of a nutcase but jeez it's got funny over time <laughs> you, you thought he was one of those people who was like on YouTube comment section just first <laughs> like that kind, that kind of stuff but no uh, he's actually oh, Jesus I laughed the kerosene kid oh man it's, it's priceless it is priceless Briggs, it's a disaster for him. Total disaster. Oh, the wall's going up. Uh, What's sure. he going to do? A hard, a, hard, a hard border would suit him great. Should he get these fellas with the, with the border properties? Should they, they, have a, they have an oil tank on one side of the border and an oil tank on the other side? Should they pump it over and back, depending on what way the exchange rate's going? It's They've the tunnel system. Up, so they do. It's the tunnel system. He's like <laughs> El Chapo. He's got his own submarine, <laughs> his own network of submarines, tunnels, and planes to get the diesel river he wants. Oh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what else made me laugh when. <laughs> <laughs> when you had the races boys announced the preview and they listed down the, the panelists they, they put the little the, the little um, petrol pumps of OG beside Keenan's name <laughs> oh, 10 out of 10 that was done by a man who's getting a lot of mentions on the show lately Mr. Mike Ward <laughs> And it was absolute genius. Like, there's a microphone for me as the emoji. There's a brain for Kevin as the emoji. Uh, there's like the the sunlight one for for Matt Chapman because you know tan. Um, there's there's a horse and for I think the horse is for for Barry and um, the crystal ball is for Jamie Codd because he tipped a fifty to one winner in LeBake. And it's it's the diesel pump. Emoticon for for Keenan. Oh man, uh, you oh, you can geez. read Tony's comments by the way, and his views for the anti-post racing at the Cheltenham Festival. Some of the Irish horses to watch out for on attheraces.com and the at the races app, which is available as a free download for iOS and Android devices. And yeah, uh, and if you're not reading that, lads, get stuck in. Awesome, oh, great Tony's stuff flying. He's all, he's always really worth the read. Yeah. Always comes at things from an interesting angle. If if you're not. Making make, making an effort to have a read of that, um, you won't regret it if you do. I'll tell you what, do us a favor, tweet at Racing Trends. He hasn't changed his name yet. He really should be like Tony Keenan ATR at this stage. Because he's not a trends man at all. I don't know why he calls himself that. But um he's he's he keeps coming up with excuses as to why he can't come on. Oh, I'm so busy in my new role as a superintendent in the school that oh i'm so busy with my baby who cares about your real-time job <laughs> and your child we want your views on the podcast man so tweet him at racing trends and say come back on the show 
we demand that you're back on the podcast because they've got the break next week, don't they? It's midterm break next week. The, tell you what, lad, that that is you. We don't ask for much, but that's your homework for this week. <laughs> Get on to Tony Keenan on Twitter. Tell him to cop on to himself and come back onto the podcast soon. Yeah. Tell him <laughs> flood flood his notifications with demands. <laughs> flood his notifications that he has to return for a Cheltenham special next week. Oh yes. That's what we want. We don't ask for much. We do, we're not charging you for the Cheltenham preview night. Although it might be three hours that you'll never get back. <laughs> we don't charge you for the podcast like some people do. Yes. Um, no, we're not going to do that. Are we? No, we're not. No. Uh, we don't charge you for Rixie's ratings. We're just asking for this. That's all. All right. Tweet at Racing Trends. We want you back on the podcast. We want you back on the at Final Furlong Pod ASAP. Um, oh, and something we forgot to add, Kenners, is just with regard to the ATR Cheltenham preview in the GOAT. If you're not one of the lucky few to get a ticket, don't forget that, look, as normal, this will be streamed live on Facebook, um, on the At The Races website. You will be able to watch this for, 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 for free in the comfort of your own home. So don't forget that. Scribble it into the old diary. Um, it's what date is it, Kenner? Is the 5th of March? Yes. Yes, the 5th of March. Kevin, are you okay? Yeah, yeah. Are you sure you're okay? I believe so. Because you thought it was Monday earlier, and you completely missed... Is it missed... the 6th of March? No, you completely missed the fact that I said, and you can watch us live <laughs> on attheraces.com, Twitter, and Facebook... And uh, you can apologies. watch it back on YouTube and you can set up the mirroring. Oh, we forgot to say. <laughs> you can yeah, see it's uh, in the night. Oh, dear God. I, I, what I will say is, though, when you, when you do give me that prompt, um, we should highlight the fact that we're going to have some giveaways on the night as well. Uh-huh. So if you're watching yes. us live, you will have, we'll have the opportunity to win some prizes in the ghost itself, but you'll also have the extra incentive of watching us uh, to win... I don't know, maybe at the races umbrellas, maybe membership to the at the races site, maybe uh, maybe maybe a final caps. furlong mug that They're... might be delivered sometime oh my in the next God. six months. <laughs> Do you know I got refunded again? No, they cancelled the order again. <laughs> I like I'm losing my mind with it. But they, shame. they should get to you. Shame. 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 <laughs> but they'll they'll get to you soon. Don't worry, they'll get to you soon. Um Two brief things to touch on. Dynamite Dollars is out for the season, which is a terrible shame. Uh, he would have been a very interesting contender in the Arkle, to say the least. And we were thinking... And a wonderful boost for the Richburg back. Oh, I was trying to be classy about it on Twitter yesterday. And then I realized I'm not classy at all. And started doing the Daffy Duck, throwing money everywhere. Uh, oh, delighted with myself. But uh, sorry, Harry, it's an awful shame. And uh, look, he's an exciting horse. We'll see him next year. But it's a, it's a shame that he can't make punches down either. And the other terrible news that's come out is that Sizing John is once again ruled out of the Gold Cup, which is, uh, and he's gone for the season. Oh, stop. So that yeah, is, yeah, that's no, a real a- shame. Yeah, it's kind of a familiar tale, really, in re- of recent years, isn't it? These yeah. Gold Cup winners, geez, it's hard to get them back right. Just goes to show you what it takes to win a Gold Cup. That if oh, you, appreciate them when we have them. Oh, lads, yeah. Jesus, that the light doesn't shine, that doesn't tend to shine that brightly and it tells for all you, that long. It also tells you, Kev, what absolute monsters and superstars Best Mate and Cotto Star were, and Denman as well. While he didn't win another Gold Cup, he was runner-up in it 
four times, three times in a row. It's Savage beast. Three machines of horses, and and uh, we missed them, but they were absolute heroes. And um, look, we're on the lookout for the next one, and please God, we'll we'll find one soon enough. Uh, Thursday, we're back. Declan Ricks will be joining us as we look ahead to a fantastic weekend's racing in prospect. Anyway, I know the new vaccination rules may very well rule out an awful lot of horses from the UK, but we'll see. Uh, and it's fantastic to see. Our old friends ITV showcasing Irish racing, um, particularly Goran. I don't think Goran has ever been on British terrestrial television. I, I honestly That's don't. It's great, isn't it? It's great. It's super boost in the current Un- the current climate. That that is a fabulous boost. For, Unbelievable, for and and particularly given the fact that it's a packed day in the UK, but they're coming to they're going to take the feed from Goran. They are going to showcase Goran on ITV. That's a, a fantastic endorsement of our product, and. Um, it's it's brilliant. I'm I'm absolutely thrilled about that, and and I hope it all goes well. And long may it continue as well, because it it's a real endorsement for Irish racing that we're being picked up that way. So I hope it continues. Uh, right, we're back on Thursday. We'll be recording in the afternoon. You should have us around about five o'clock for your commute home or to relax or whatever it is you want to do. From Kevin Blake. Good luck. Our thanks once again to Rory Delargy, and thank you very much for all the kind words on social media and for listening to us and having us in the Apple Podcast Top Ten. Unbelievable Ooh. scenes! Unbelievable scenes! We're still there! I don't know how we're managing this. I don't know how we're Move managing on. it. Move on. But you're all legends. Uh, we'll talk to you on Thursday. Thanks very much for tuning in. God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly sponsored by Coral. Look out for exclusive Final Furlong Smart Boosts on attheraces.com. The smart money's on Coral. BeGambleAware.org 18. Have you downloaded the free At the Races app yet? With easy to use race cards and form, Expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting is the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.